Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading in the Gospel of Mark. We begin today with a word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have granted us the ability to hear and receive your word and that you have sent your Son Jesus to proclaim your word into our ears and in our hearts. Lord, we pray this day and that you would bind, us from, bind from us anything that would silence your word in our lives. And we pray that you would teach us to hear and trust all that you give. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you imagine anything more bizarre than silencing Jesus in church? I mean, it's kind of like the whole reason we come to church. It's the whole reason you're watching the video right now, right? To, to hear the Word of Christ proclaimed into your ears. In fact, we believe here at Community Lutheran Church that the hearing of God's Word in worship is foundational and fundamental to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We talk about it all the time. Disciples hear God's Word in worship. They learn God's Word together in Bible study and they care for everyone. God gives to them. And so we hear God's word, and in hearing this word, then we are driven to live our lives in light of God's word. If you're not first sitting and receiving the gifts of Christ, then you have no position to begin doing anything in his name. First and foremost, before anything else, a disciple hears. A disciple listens. But that position of the disciple, of course, is always predicated upon Jesus' word being proclaimed. So it would be utterly strange that if Jesus were to show up, he would be silenced in the church. Why would anybody want Jesus to be quiet? And yet, that's exactly what we see today as Jesus begins his ministry in the region of Galilee in a place called Capernaum. One day, Jesus is there beginning his ministry, and he's preaching in the local synagogue. He's preaching the word of God. And we know from our reading last week exactly what it was Jesus was preaching. He was preaching that he had come, and now the kingdom of God had arrived with his presence. And so he's saying, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. That is, Jesus is proclaiming, I am the one sent by God to usher in his reign over this creation, and I am the Lord of the creation, and I am taking it back. And I love this. Jesus preaches this, and I love the way Mark describes it today. He says this, he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. Now this is great, because the scribes, they were kind of the religious theological experts of the day. They were, they were sort of known for appealing to rabbis and debating and making statements about uh, various views on the teaching of the law and various interpretations of God's word and some interpretations of some rabbis' interpretations of interpretations of God's word. And they would have all of these debates and all of this conversation about the words of God and about their teachers. And there was a great deal of confusion because of this. It was kind of like sitting down pundits from uh, CNN and Fox to debate, you know, uh, Fauci science. Like there's debates and perspectives on whose science we should be listening to, which science is the right science, what do masks do, who knows? We're just going to argue about all of it, and so there's certainty about none of it. But that's not how Jesus preaches. 
Jesus doesn't teach like some political pundit. Jesus is no you know, seminary student arguing about the theology of Martin Luther. He is not some radio preacher giving you his perspective on end times prophecy or something like this. No, Jesus speaks with authority. That is, when Jesus preaches on Scripture, he acts like he wrote the thing. Because as it turns out, he did. It was His Holy Spirit who inspired the Scriptures. And now Jesus is standing here preaching in the power of that Holy Spirit who came to Him in His baptism and is now working through the preaching of His Word. And what we're actually witnessing in this passage today is this beautiful Trinitarian act where the Father has sent the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit to establish His rightful reign over the creation. And he's doing this, he's beginning to do this by preaching. By teaching with authority in that Galilean synagogue. By speaking in church, as it were. But again, there's not everybody there who is happy to hear it. There are many who want Jesus to be silenced, namely the demons. Because see, here's the thing. When you go about establishing your reign, you typically have to kick somebody else off of the throne. You have to remove someone who has previously held power in that place. And so Jesus comes in and he is removing the authority and the power of the devil. And he's not really welcome. C.S. Lewis draws a beautiful picture of this. This passage always reminds me of this wonderful quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity where he says this, enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. And Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise. And is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. So that when you go to church, you are really listening in to the secret wireless from our friends. And this is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. This is why the enemy is so anxious to have the word of God silenced. Because when we hear the word of God, we're hearing the message from our friends, from the rightful king of the creation. So here in our account today, it's not so much that our friend is speaking on the wireless, but that the rightful king himself has come to take back his creation. And he's doing so, as we've said, by the preaching of his word and claiming this world as his own and calling his own to himself. But for too long, his own have been held under the sway of the enemy. And so as he preaches, Mark tells us, immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus' campaign is interrupted by the enemy who is unwilling to give up what he has stolen. So he demands to silence Christ. That, that makes sense, right? I mean, that, that one's pretty easy. It's very easy, in fact, to pick on the demons here. Of course, they don't want Christ's word to confront them because they are enemies. And the arrival of Jesus in their territory is not a welcome change, for it means the end of them and of their reign. But this Jesus has come, after all, to thwart and destroy the works of the devil. So, of course, they don't want him to speak. That's easy. That makes sense. Let me ask you this today. What about you? Because you do 
realize, don't you, that he's come to kick you off your throne as well, right? You do realize that he's taking your heart as his own and that enemy-occupied territory in his chest he is claiming as his. You get that, right? I mean, establishing his reign in this world and in your life, Jesus is taking over. And he's not asking for your opinion about things. He's not looking for your preferences on how you think a kingdom should run. He's not asking you about your decoration ideas for what you think the throne room ought to look like. He's teaching with authority. He's not sharing it. And with that authority, his call to you is to repent of holding so tightly to what you hold so dear apart from him and to follow him to a cross, bearing a cross of your own, to die to yourself. For you see, he's come to rescue you. But are you sure it's a rescue you want? Because he's come to rescue you from a life that is comfortable and easy and catered to your likings, by the devil himself. See, it is interesting to me today, as I read this passage, how the demon tries to exercise his power and silence Jesus by causing this man to fall on the ground and convulse and scream and all of this big show and noise and all of this stuff. Because he doesn't really do that too much in our day, at least not in our context. Because in our day, he's figured out all he has to do to get us to stop listening to Jesus does not intimidate us, but make us comfortable and entertained. Why do you need demons to haunt you when they can just convince you that uh, a comfortable life is more important than anything else? I mean, you know, it's, it's easier uh, to just uh, retire comfortably than uphold your integrity at work, right? It's easier to keep your mouth shut about your faith rather than upset your family at Thanksgiving dinner. What's more, we all want our churches to make us comfortable in this way now as well. Not so much to, to preach the Word of God that confronts our sin and forgives us for the sake of the one who has died for us and calls us to take up a cross. No, we just want sermons and church services to be filled with, you know, comfortable, practical advice. Songs that soothe therapy from the pulpit and if we do want anything sort of controversial we want it to be against our political opponent opponents now don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with practical advice there's nothing wrong with therapy at all and there's nothing wrong most of the time with political conversation nonetheless none of those things are the word of god and when we would rather listen to those than the word of god then we've got an idol problem on our hands everyone it seems today is so worried about losing our freedom of speech we even say we're so frightened that we will not be uh, allowed to exercise our religion freely. But one has to wonder, are the congregations we are a part of even saying anything worth silencing at all? Because politics, therapy, good advice have taken over our pulpits and silenced the Word of God. See, whether it's a man crying out from under the power of a demon on the floor, the preacher using the pulpit for a political rally, or giving you a soothing inspirational speech, the devil would use all of that to silence Jesus. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all know that's what we want to hear. You long to hear those things, and quite frankly, I'm tempted to preach many of those things. 
Because I think we've all grown far too comfortable with the nature of the speeches that take place in this enemy-occupied territory. But Christ comes nonetheless, and He won't have it. For He is the authority here. That synagogue, this congregation, we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. And in His call to repent, He is turning you and I away from the voice of the demons that both terrify and soothe. And He is announcing that your sin is so bad and your participation in this enemy-occupied territory is so bad that you are the sort that can only be saved by Him dying and rising for you. And so that's what He's come to do to die for you and to rise for you and to establish a place for you in His kingdom. For His mission is to take the cross that your sins deserve. And that message of the cross is anything but soothing. But it's the only thing that's saving and it is absolutely loving. You must understand, dear saints of Jesus, that you do not belong to the comforts of this age. And as soon as you turn from them to Christ, they will turn on you and they will attack, but it will get them nowhere. For they are enemies occupying Christ's territory. They are terrorists threatening Christ's people and they have no authority over you. So that whatever the devil of the world may do to appeal to you or to accuse you or attack you, Christ simply says to them, be silent and come out of him. Shut your mouth and leave her alone. For she is mine. I have claimed him with my blood. See, Jesus has come to take back the creation that is rightfully his. And you, you baptized, dearly beloved child of God, you are his spoils of war. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the grace that you have shown to us by delivering to us your word. We pray, O Lord, that your word would always be ringing in our ears and our hearts so that you would be able to help us discern truth from error and you would protect us from the lies and the ways of the evil one. Grant us your grace for the sake of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.